3: Inflation continues to loom large. The stock market closed below 30,000 for the first time in more than a year. And Americans face economic uncertainty with inflation, gas prices in particular. President Biden tells reporters he and his administration are doing everything possible to fight the problem.
1: With Russia's war driving up inflation worldwide, threatening vulnerable countries with uh, severe food shortages, we have to work together to mitigate the immediate fallout of this crisis in the United States. I'm using every lever available to me to bring down prices for the American people.
3: Meanwhile, bipartisan lawmakers are expected to release the bill text on gun-related legislation after talks had been stalled over certain details in the framework, like the boyfriend loophole. For this and more, we bring in our panel, Fox News political analyst Juan Williams, Wall Street Journal opinion columnist Bill McGurn, and Fox News White House correspondent Peter Ducey. Peter, uh the president got a little prickly on, on the question about whether the recession is happening, whether we're in a recession and about what the administration is doing on inflation. Is it starting to kind of sink in over there?
0: It, you know, it's interesting, Brett, because this time last week, white house officials were going over to the Hill to talk to Democrats privately about messaging. And we're going to figure out how to help you guys go home and put a happy face on the economy. And what they are all now saying, from the president on down, is a recession is not inevitable. And what we heard uh, this afternoon from Karim Jean Pierre is, we're not in a recession; we are in a transition. And so they are looking for any other word to describe all these gloomy economic forecasts. But it is the the thing that they are as sensitive about, uh, more so than any other issue, it seems.
3: Yeah, and you know, Bill, they're this effort to go to Saudi Arabia to, one would assume, make a pitch to, to the Saudis to help on gas prices, although the president says he's meeting with a, a number of countries and just happens to be in Saudi Arabia. Um, and this effort to at least consider a gas tax holiday, which many see is more of the same of a strategic oil uh, petroleum reserve release, uh, kind of short term and not a lot.
2: Yeah, it's a big problem. They won't do the obvious thing, which is increase US production. So they have to. I think it's good that the president's going to Saudi Arabia. I I know it contradicts kind of what he said in the campaign, but uh, we have to deal with a lot of countries we don't like their internal practices. And Saudi Arabia is very important. But the president keeps moving around the edges. The real problem is supply, and he came into office vowing a war on fossil fuels, and he's done that, and that means a reduced supply and higher prices as far as the eye can see.
3: Juan, what is the, the Democrat on the Stumps response to that?
1: Well, I think that there's several responses. You know, it's uh, number one. I think you would say. Let's consider that we're coming out of a tremendously damaging to our economy pandemic. And we have come out of that with basically a strong stock market, low unemployment, uh, consumer spending that's starting to trend down with anxiety about a possible recession. But consumer spending has been strong. Business investment remains very strong. So the counterpoint would be let's not talk ourselves down and into a recession. The gas prices are high. And as Bill was pointing out, uh, we're going to deal with and, and this is more distasteful to Democrats, I think, than to uh, some on the other side of the aisle deal with a man, uh, you know, the Saudi leadership that we believe has killed an American journalist. Uh, so, but at the same time, there are geopolitical issues at stake, uh, and we are willing to do what's necessary to protect American interests. With specific response to, oh, let's just boost American production. Well, you can't do that in an instant. It's not gonna lower the prices at the gas pump before the midterms. And secondly, I'm sure you've heard of this, Peter, I'm sure has heard the president say, there are tons of leases available to the gas and oil companies that are being that are not used not being used right now there's all sorts of arguments about that, but that's the message coming from the administration
3: yeah, one of the arguments is that the constraints uh, and the environmental constraints and the bureau- bureaucracy, the red tape uh, that the Biden administration put in, that the Trump administration had taken down, makes it very tough, even with those 9,000 leases. That's one of the pushback points. Peter, what, what else is the, the administration focused on? I mean, it, it, the president says he's going to make this decision at the end of the week about gas tax holiday, maybe rebate cards. Is that their focus?
0: Uh, You know, uh, another part of their focus, Brett, is on the oil and gas companies. And the president says he's not going to meet with them. His staff is taking care of it. And they've accused the oil and gas companies of basically sitting on a big stockpile and not refining enough. They say that they're trying to maximize profits by not refining uh, and keeping prices high. This afternoon, the CEO of Chevron wrote back to the president, and we're just seeing this letter now. Part of it says, "And this is from the CEO to the president. Your administration has largely sought to criticize and at times vilify our industry. These actions are not beneficial to meeting the challenges we face." And so, the president is—they're not letting them get away with just a couple stray shots at their industry. They're shooting back, and at a time that a lot of people are just looking for any kind of relief, uh, that that might lead to a stalemate.
3: Yeah. For the average American, it is easy to get to the point where they think, why are gas prices going up so fast, so quickly in this amount of time, Bill? And, and so if, if the president from the bully pulpit is saying price gouging is a major problem, there's going to have to be some pushback to that for them not to believe it.
2: Yeah, the president has taken no responsibility. I mean, his war and fossil fuels language alone is a problem. Uh, Look, his answer always seems to be, if you were really smart American people, you would understand just how smart I am. And that's everyone else's fault, except for mine. As someone who wrote speeches in the White House, that's not a winning message. I, I think he tells it and he You know, largely the media don't challenge him on it. But every time people go to the pump, they think of Joe Biden. They don't think of Putin. Putin's responsible for a certain amount of the boost, but um, it's the president. And that's what gives me pause, because, again, Jimmy Carter appointed um, Paul Volcker in 79. He deregulated with Ted Kennedy. I don't see anyone in the Biden White House who seems to have a clue how to get production up. They're too enthralled or too afraid of the left-wing caucus, which is amazing to me because he got the nomination by challenging the left-wing caucus.
3: We'll hear more after this.
2: Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz podcast. Dive
0: deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.
3: The uh, campaign one is shaping up, obviously, for November. One of the things that uh, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell is saying is elect Republicans— to control the Senate and the House, and we will force Joe Biden to be the moderate that he campaigned to be. Effective pitch? Well, you know, I think people
1: are so discontented at this moment, Rhett. I mean, it's pretty overwhelming to me to look at the uh, polls on, you know, do you think America's headed in the right direction, wrong direction? It's I think we're down to, you know, like a quarter or less of the country saying we're headed in the right direction and we're politically polarized. So I'm not sure that what Mitch McConnell is saying is aimed at the Democrats or even the Republican base. The Republican base doesn't like Biden and they don't consider him a moderate, although, you know, they understand that he's campaigned as a moderate. It's those kind of suburban swing voters, people who might have voted for Obama, then Trump, and then back to Biden, uh, that they fear that they would lose, that the Democrats would lose, and that McConnell wants to capture and say, stay with the U.S. Senate, Make, put it back in Republican hands, and we will deliver a government that is more functional and responsive to your needs. And uh, obviously, he wants this to be a referendum in that sense on Biden. And that's why he's going to attack Biden.
3: On January 6th, uh, today, laying out this methodical presentation about how Donald Trump really wanted to have these state election officials decertify the election, put in a separate slate of electors. And talking to the Speaker of the House of Arizona, talking to the Secretary of State of Georgia, and hearing how they were pressured in the days before January 6th, very compelling testimony. Um, Obviously, we've talked about, Peter, how this, this committee does not have kind of this other side to ask questions, and we've talked about why that is about Speaker Pelosi turning down uh, two of Leader McCarthy's choices and then McCarthy pulling out uh, the other options. Um, So now you have Republicans who are singing from the same sheet of music and Liz Cheney and uh, Kinzinger. But the compelling thing is that uh, they're laying out this case. Is it compelling enough uh, to help Democrats into the midterms? And how does the White House view it?
0: Well, uh, the White House, uh, you know, from our perch here, uh, in terms of whether or not it helps them or not, it might not have any effect greater than uh, every time that the president gets a question or Karine Jean-Pierre gets a question about these hearings. That is time in a briefing or time at a press conference they are not being asked about inflation or about why you're going to meet with this uh, alleged human rights abuser, Prince uh, MBS, over in Saudi Arabia. Or, what are you actually doing about these five dollar a gallon gas prices, and so if there is an impact, uh, that might be the greatest impact
3: yeah that 's a good point. Bill. It is also tough to hear today 's uh, questioner is is representative Adam Schiff, who obviously has a history in the Russia hearings of saying you know to reporters, I have definitive evidence of of collusion between uh, Donald Trump and russia and and never materializing this is far more laid out, and obviously there are tapes and and um, and a whole bunch of testimony about what happened behind the scenes about the election. What about that dichotomy of of you know somebody like Schiff running this uh, at least today 's questioning
2: yeah well that 's uh, apparent in a lot of ways look uh what did we learn before recently? We learned that hillary Hillary Clinton approved. Uh selling the Russia hoax thing to the FBI, and no one's asked her about it. Uh, it's a pity because I think we could have had a good committee. There are a lot of unresolved questions, uh, election questions, practices. You know, uh a somewhat really bipartisan committee might have done something, but I think it's because what Peter said, you know, this is an election strategy, this isn't really. Uh, a committee trying to get to the whole truth, it's trying to present a side that hopes people will forget about inflation, will forget about people dropping off the wheels of airplanes in Afghanistan, will forget about all these things that are going on. And I, I'm not sure that works. In good times, I think it might have worked because people are relatively content and they'll pay attention. But if people are worried about putting food on the table, I don't think they, they, they're they going to buy a stacked committee. Um, It's just not going to have the impact, especially like as Juan pointed out, the issue isn't Democrats uh, or Trump haters. It's independents and Republicans. And I don't think it's going to reach any of those people.
3: Well, on the flip side is that there are candidates out there that are running on a fake or rigged. 2020 election. I mean, the leading candidate in Arizona for governor is someone who's running uh, a lot on what former President Trump is saying and continues to say. And obviously, the committee is doing a pretty powerful job of laying out how Republican officials came to the opposite conclusion, and so did judges around the country.
1: Yeah, and I think that this fits for the Democrats with the larger political agenda, which is saying that this midterm election upcoming should not simply be a referendum on the incumbent and the incumbent party, Democrats in control of the House and Senate as well as the White House, but a measure of how radical the Republican Party has become as a reflection of former President Trump. So to my mind, I think, you know, so far they have laid out a case based on testimony coming from Trump officials, even Trump's daughter, about the former president knowing that he was perpetrating a big lie. And, you know, it's interesting to me to read conservative media and conservative media that was fairly dismissive going in has said, well, they're making a case. They have some points here. We're hearing them. We're hearing from people like the former attorney general, William Barr, Bill Barr, No one's going to say he's an anti-Trump person or not a Republican or not a conservative. So I think they are making some point, some impact, even now, discussion about whether or not the attorney general, the current attorney general, Merrick Garland, would have to go forward with a case against Donald Trump for trying to undo uh, an election. So to my mind, when you hear this, the question becomes who opens their minds and who is willing to hear this case, and I'm not convinced just looking at the numbers and the high level of support in the Republican party for president Trump, that there are a lot of people on that side, but it goes back again to those people in the middle, maybe 20% of the electorate. Are they going to be convinced that the Republican party has become so radicalized in Trump's image that they can't be supportive?
3: Well, it'd be interesting to see if, if the coverage was equal on the John Durham case that said, as Bill mentioned, that Hillary Clinton authorized the pitch of the Russia hoax to the FBI, which didn't get the same amount of coverage that that obviously this is, but both have an impact. Uh, Gentlemen, thank you very much. Now for a bit of history. On June 21st, 1788, New Hampshire became the ninth state to ratify the Constitution with a vote of 57 to 47, making it the official framework of the government of the United States. The government under the U.S. Constitution would go into effect March 4th, 1789. And it wouldn't be until May 29, 1790 that the last state, Rhode Island, finally ratified the U.S. Constitution. That'll do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and a review. We want to hear from you. For Juan, Bill, and Peter, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time.